How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. September is National Recovery Month, and Clean Cause is inviting everyone to celebrate the fact that recovery is possible, and anything is possible at that. Uh, grab a Clean Cause Organic Herba Mate, get your day going with 160 milligrams of better caffeine that won't cause the crashes, won't cause the jitters like some of the coffee might do and some of those other energy drinks. Here's the best part. Here's why we partner with Clean Cause, not just because they have great, great drinks, but every sip makes a difference in the fight against addiction. Clean Cause donates 50% of net profits to support individuals in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. So throughout September, and uh, we're, we're wrapping it up here, so we only got a couple days left, Clean Cause is offering Sober Guy listeners 30% off their online orders with, with uh, promo code SOBERGUY30. So you've heard the ad through the month of September. If you haven't pulled the trigger yet and uh, ordered a case, they get delivered right to your door. They're awesome. They've uh, got all kinds of different flavors. And at that, you get to help support individuals in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. And just once again, a big thanks to Alex and the clean team for hooking our listeners up in the month of September to honor National Recovery Month. So grab a boost, live better, transform lives. Head on over to cleancause.com and get 30% off your order. One more time, that's cleancause.com. Type in the promo code SOBERGUY30 at checkout. And let's start the show. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more podcasts, more resources. You can also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Be sure to uh, follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. We'll put all the links from today's show in the in the show notes so they're easy for you to find. Our guest today is Max Lyles. Really pumped to talk to Max today. Max is a licensed social worker and chemical dependency counselor in the state of Ohio. And uh, Max helps individuals through adversity, whether it be mental health, substance use, uh, judicial involvement, uh, or the impact those all those topics have on the family system as well. Uh, Max is the host of the Not Your Average IV User podcast. It was recently featured in the documentary Small Town Strong on Amazon and Apple TV. We're going to talk about all that today, get into Max's story a bit. Welcome, sir, all the way from Ohio. Yeah. Good to be here with you, man. How are you? Shout out oh, hey, to all my people out there. Although I will say I uh, I hail from the Little Brother University, Ohio University. Go Bobcats! Uh, <laughs> I in love regards it. to that, man. Thanks for having me, Shane. Man, absolutely. It's uh, it's great to uh, have you on the podcast, man. I'm excited to chat today. And yes, I'll second that. A big shout out to all the Ohio folks out there, man. It's a uh, Good to uh, good to be with you today, um, man. Let's uh, let's let's waste uh, no time here and tell us a little bit about yourself for those out there listening so they get to know you a bit, Max. Yeah, man. So it's wild hearing you read some of those things off the bio, man. It's like you know you yeah. say some of those those things out loud, dude, and it's like God, that's is that really me? So um, as you mentioned, the the independently licensed social worker, um, independently licensed chemical dependency counselor, currently operating a private practice um, in Southern Ohio, where I'm seeing clients working with people doing individual uh, services, therapy type stuff um, uh, on the virtual and face-to-face side of things. Um, And then also as part of that private practice, do various consultation, uh, supervisory work, 
um, within those scopes of practices for multiple agencies. I'm at one right now, Forward Health Ohio um, in Columbus, man. Shout out to all those guys. Uh, Recording in progress. In uh, Brookfield Recovery in um, Youngstown. So yeah, man, uh, do some do some supervisory things with uh, with the licenses as well, um, and then some of the other little uh, I like to call them the side projects, man. You you know that yeah. that stuff funds the dream, right? So uh, the Not Your Average IV User Podcast. Uh, I think we're on everything but about YouTube, um, and uh, focuses on telling stories in and around recovery. So uh, meeting nice. with the sober guys uh, right in my lane. You know what I mean? <laughs> Good stuff, uh, man. And then, and then, as you had mentioned as well, the the small town strong documentary, man, which is a project I've been working on with some friends um, that I was, you know, fortunate enough to be asked uh, to help out with telling telling that story. So, um, and then also, you know, uh, a person in long term recovery, um, eleven six twelve. That's my clean date, man. We were talking a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, and then that's uh, that's given me an opportunity, you know, uh, to everything that I'm doing professionally or otherwise is a result of that being the foundation yeah. um, gives me the opportunity, you know, be a, be a good professional, be a good dad, be a good husband, um, all that kind of stuff, man. So love it. Isn't that crazy? How, like when we cut all that old dumb behavior that we used to do, like how life changes, <laughs> like I think, oh, man, about, so you know, like my life before and my life now, and you know, it ain't perfect, but it's like, way way better than it was 10 years ago you know so i i want to get to the the um the documentary small town strong super interested in that also i want to talk a little bit about the podcast before we do that let's kind of back up a little bit and tell us a little bit about your story man like what's your story of addiction um and then you know what what was it like and then what changed for you yeah man so i'm from i'm from uh from Southern Ohio, uh, Portsmouth, Scioto County. Those are, those are terms that, you know, places that you hear a lot, especially when you talk about reference, you know, the opioid epidemic, that's just absolutely devastated the entire country at this point. Yeah. But truth be told, I mean, really, you know, where I'm from geographically is, is the cradle of the opioid epidemic. It's kind of where everything started, right? It's where, uh, you know, pill mill started where you saw where you saw family doctors that were heavily prescribing even before that, where where you saw doctors that were getting into the, you know, pill mill model. Hey, come in, pay cash, get a script. See you later. Um, and really, honestly, man, it's like I am just a product of a a kid that came up in southern Ohio in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, grew up there um, and just like a, it was a just a total representation of the way that that epidemic and access to those types of drugs has like totally devastated the area and subsequently the country yeah. because like, and I, and I always, I like to share this man. It's like, I came from a family that was, you know, that loved me, that cared about me, that provided for me, that kept me safe. My mom and dad were married for almost four decades before my dad passed um, you know, Santa Claus always came. There was a pool in the side yard. I had friends. I, I was class president all four years in high school. I was captain of the football team, like a super normal life where you look at a guy and you're like, man, this guy has a lot of protective factors. This guy's got a shot, right? Yeah. 
and it just doesn't matter, dude. It's like I'm, you know, I, I believe that I'm genetically predisposed to process drugs and alcohol different. And it's like, you know, I did that first one. And then from there, sort of the disease state just started to progress, right? And to the point that I'm, you know, uh, uh, hopelessly addicted to Oxycontin, uh, the, the the powers that be come in and shut down, you know, the pill mills in our area in 2012. Um, and then from that point, you know, heroin moved in. So, you know, the end of my use, I'm a, I'm an IV heroin user. Right. Um, so it's like, that's the, uh, that's the sort of progression for me, man. It was like, you know, I was just doing normal. I was just doing normal high school kid stuff, you know, yeah. going to parties, experimenting with, with drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing. And just based on, you know, my, I believe my genetic makeup and, uh, you know, the environment that I was in, as far as the community that I came from, just having access to those kind of drugs that just eventually I tried them and, and remember, the disease kind of takes over at that point. Do you remember the first, uh, the first time you tried like an oxy or something? Yeah, I remember, I can remember the first couple, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, it, and it starts with, you know, the, uh, the, the, the lower milligram, smaller pain pill stuff, very typical. Right. Um, and actually the first time I ever got introduced to any kind of opiate at all, I was 15 years old. I'd broken my collarbone in a football game. Mm. And I can remember I got a like a prescription of like, you know, five milligram, the big white tablets, which, you know, Shane, they, they call them our way. They call them smalls referencing the milligram, but they're actually huge horse pills. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I, yeah. which, you know, I never understood the dichotomy of that, but. Yeah. So that was like the first time I ever did that. But then it's like there, but the nothing ever happened. Right. But also at that point in time, I was, I was experimenting with alcohol and marijuana and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And then it progresses. Like, then it's like, you know, it goes into my first oxy was, you know, maybe like at a party that it split, I split it between like a bunch of friends. I just did like a little piece of it. Right. Yeah. And then it progressed into those days of like, no, okay. Like I'm, I'm doing more, I'm using more often. And then all of a sudden, dude, it's like this magic trick happens. It's like, Man, if I don't have one of these things, I'm sick. Like I'm physically dependent. Yeah, that's uh, some strong, some strong stuff, man. Um, yeah, it's. I think your story, man, is. Uh, it's. Um, I don't want to say common, but like it's common in a sense that there are so like we we a lot of the times think of the person who's addicted. Man, they must have had a really rough life and a rough childhood, and you know their their circumstances, you know, really helped shape their decision making, and and that's very true in a lot of cases. But it's also not true in a lot of other cases, like yourself. Yeah. Like you said, you you're typical. You had everything going on, a good shot at something, and got caught up in it. Do you think that um, I want to run it, run it back to you mentioned about the the pill mills? I remember yeah. watching a documentary a couple of years ago, and I can't remember the name of it. But there was a, it was a dad, and I, I want to say he was a pharmacist, and like he a pharmacist. was pharmacist. Yeah, that's what you're referencing. Yeah, the, that the pharmacist man, yeah. that thing opened up some doors, and I didn't know a lot yeah. about that. And, so, and then I watched that, and I went, "Holy yeah. crap, man, this is crazy!" So, what was that in that general time frame that you're referencing right yes. now? Got yeah. It. So, so you see, you see, basically late late nineties, early two thousands, Purdue Pharma starts to push oxycotton, right? Yeah. Yep. And then, sort of from early 2000s up until the peak of the first wave of the opioid epidemic, which is around 2009, 2010. Um, that's where you see sort of the wave start to build before, you know, they kind of come in and say, Hey, we got to do something right. Yeah. 
But yeah, man, that was that's the same exact time frame that 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 documentary takes place in. And there's been tons of documentaries done about it. Yeah. They're all super interesting on so many levels. Number one, uh, just from a from a, a sort of like macro perspective, just to go social worker on you for a second <laughs> from the larger perspective of things. It's like the United States of America is one of only two countries that allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise direct to consumer. Crazy. One of the only places in the world that does it, bro. Yeah. And it's because it's a sales-based initiative, right? It's a sales-based initiative. It's not a health-based initiative. It's a sales-based initiative. So that's, that's interesting. The other interesting part is the places that the pill mills took off first and sort of the cultural norms of the things that were going on there. Because I'd like, I'd referenced even before the pill mill doctors, Doctors in our area were very much more they're, they're much more loose with their prescription pads yeah. because it's like ah your back hurts but you're in the union ah your back hurts but you know you're or, or you got an injury at work but you need to still work to feed your family it's like we're a very impoverished you know resource yeah. kind of poor region and so then it's like whatever's going to give the people the ability to continue to participate in their day to day life. And just, you know, uh, opiates are miracle drugs, man. Yeah. They help you pull that stuff off. So for someone listening right now, maybe they haven't seen the documentary, maybe they haven't heard a lot about the pill mills. Yeah. Can can you give just a quick rundown of like your experience or what you saw just for someone out there who might have no clue about it? Like what, what was yeah. that about? So um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll also reference back, you know, uh, shameless self plug. If you, if you hop on the not your average IV user stuff, um, episode two with Mindy. Um, and then I'm not sure the number, but, uh, uh, there's an episode with Missy B who also tells, uh, great stories about pill mill, pill mill air stuff. One of those stories Missy shares is there used to be an 800 number you could call that if you got the 800 number and knew the right things to say that you could get an opioid prescription in the mail. Damn. Wow. Which was amazing. You know what I mean? Which is like, dude, I wish it's like, and the sick part of my brain, Shane says like, dude, I wish I was using then, bro. You know what I mean? Because for me, what happened, for me, what happened, man, is like I came in at the end of the opioid epidemic. So by the time I started using Oxycontin, 2009, I'm 21 years old, right? I probably could have went to a doctor. I probably could have figured that out, but it was just so plentiful to buy on the street is that you sort of didn't need to, right? But the way that that worked is there were doctors that set up shop. You came in, you had the correct paperwork, generally, you know, a a bad MRI that showed some sort of injury. Didn't have to be your MRI, just had to have your name on it. Um, and And the other correct paperwork, you came in and you paid cash for an Oxycontin prescription. Some places even had a pharmacy in house. Um, Some places, you know, you get the prescription, uh, people know where to go to get these, you know, to get the prescriptions filled and that kind of thing. Right. But, you know, you, you read about these kind of things, man, that they're uh, that it's like set up like a movie set that you walk in and there's like, you know, the nurse on a stick that does all the vitals, but that like, it's not plugged in. You know, or that there's like a computer monitor with no tower. Yeah. So the intention was never to like set up anything that was actually like, you know, a sustainable model for pain management. It was an illusion. It was an illusion. It's all an illusion, man. It was it was legal drug dealing, right? It was legal drug dealing and it was done on the behalf of, you know, 
the the large scale pharmaceutical agencies and the doctors that got involved. And there was a, there were a lot of folks that were non doctors too that got involved and got in on the money yeah. because you know they start the business, they hire the doctor, they hire the you know they hire the clinical staff to to run the facility, and you know they they make hand over fist cash every day yeah. from people lining up to get access to the medication. What's crazy to me is that these pharmaceutical companies are exempt from any um, any consequences <laughs> and they have endless amounts of money just to just to pay out. And there's and, some there and the, the documentaries, there's there's several documentaries and, you know, you could get on any of the streaming platforms and just type in, you know, opioid epidemic and you're going to get all kinds of hits. Yeah. Um, but, you know, essentially a lot of the stuff that you'll find out, uh, I think I think the one I'm thinking of is called Crime of the Century. Mm. And it basically details how the pharmaceutical industry is basically not doing anything wrong based on the rules of what they are allowed to do. Yeah. And the most ironic part is Shane, that they are the ones who wrote the rules. Yep. Well, that's like me saying like, Shane, you and I are going to play a game. I'm going to make the rules so that I'm always right and in compliance and that you have to do whatever I say. Now you're in charge. You're the regulating body but I'm going to write the rules for you. That way I'm always good, man. And that's what you see within this, within this epidemic, man, is like, there are so many layers and levels to the environment that was set up for this thing to take off, man. Yeah. Well, you see that also. And I think that was Reagan that signed that into law back in the eighties, 82 or 84, if I remember correctly. Um, and I'm a fan of Ronald Reagan, but I'm not a fan of that decision. Just a terrible decision. Yeah. Um, I, uh, if you look in, in the healthcare industry, just in general too, um, this actually bleeds over to a lot of different, different sectors of the healthcare industry and pharmaceuticals, not, not just opiates and those types of pills, but even into vaccines and different types of things. And I, that's probably another conversation for another day, but, um, it's just, Number one, it's it's there's there's so many elements to it. It's super sad. It pisses me off. It pisses a lot of other people off. Um, yeah. You know, and so that's probably why guys like you and I are out here sharing our story, doing work, and trying to make an impact. You know, the best we can because that that's that's our role in this. That's what we can do. So, um, what a well, if you want to respond to anything to that, awesome. Um, but I also wanted to ask you uh, too, if um, like what was it that got you to quit how'd you get off of the of the pills so uh the the short answer is bro i got like sick of being dope sick, mm. sick shit was wearing me out and tired. you know what i mean yeah no man truth be told like i uh again it's it's those protective factors right so i talked about a lot of that in the beginnings like everything was i had a lot of shit lined up right for me you know what i mean but uh so I always, I remember I was, I was doing graduate school and I was talking to my field instructor at the time. And cause we were talking a lot about protective factors and risk factors, like in class, like with what I was learning. Right. And so, you know, it's like, I get this list of like protective factors versus risk factors. And I remember talking to my professor and telling her like, dude, I had basically all these protective factors and essentially like none of these risk factors. Like, how did I still wind up the way that I wound up? And she said, well, you know, those are just factors. They're not like facts, right? It's not, not like uh, like cause and effect kind of deal, right? It's just correlation, you know? So uh, 
she she hit me with a perspective that really made me think at the point in time and i still recall it is she was like you know think about think it got so bad for you based on even all the things that you had that were going right imagine how bad it would have been if you didn't have any of those things mm-hmm. and i was like damn man so it's like like dude i'm so lucky that i was able to get like, you know, that I had a supportive family, that I had access to resources, like all those kind of things. And essentially that's what happened, man. I finally reached that point where I was like, didn't fucking know what to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I reached out to my parents for like the, you know, the bazillionth time to bail me out, you know what I mean? Help me out. Right. And they talked me into going to detox, man. Um, and, and unbeknownst to me, they'd been talking to one of my like best friends from high school at the time credit dude with saving my life, man. It's like, he's the person that talked me into going to detox and basically just said like, Hey man, like I'll never forget. We were standing in my mom and dad's kitchen. And he says, uh, he was like, what are you going to do, man? He's like, you, you just going to keep using until you die on me. And at that point in time, I was like, no, I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want to quit using. I don't want to die back then in 2012 you might've heard of a person who had had a drug overdose that died. Right. Thank God I took that seriously then. Right. And he was like, man, he's like, cause now it's different, bro. It's like over a hundred thousand people have died in the last handful of years. Right. So from the, from, from, you know, unintentional overdose. And so essentially he talked me into going to detox, man. And then after detox, he talked me into going to another treatment program. So that was uh, that's what happened, man. I was just fortunate that those folks stepped in for me. So, so you definitely had some support. You had some encouragement. You had some hope. But is it fair to say too that you also wanted it? Like you wanted to get the help. You were sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there was like a genuine effort from your own part. You you took some responsibility and along with the support as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's like I had, I had, uh, as they say, I had reached the turning point. Like I could not imagine my life with, I could not imagine my life without, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't imagine going on and doing the same shit I was doing. I also couldn't imagine turning around and doing something totally different. Yeah. But it's like, I, I did, I, I had grown tired of continuing to do what I was doing, bro. I had to do something different. So yeah, I was, I had a high level of, of in, internal motivation there. Good, man. It's awesome. I love to hear it. I know I can't imagine like I, <clears throat> I was a pill popper back in the day too, along with everything else. But like, like you said, it was different then. I can't imagine mm-hmm. doing that today. Like I, I'm, I'm so grateful that. I, you know, however, so many times I just took random stuff and never knew yeah. like, I like that it's way different today. Like I could have died so many times, you know, oh, bro. I mean? like, and everything's got fentanyl in it. Exactly. Days. Yeah, exactly. And we're, we're, we're hearing, I hear it in my own community often. I know, um, you know, multiple people who've overdosed and died and it was just, they, they didn't know that what they were getting. Right. They took it and well, <clears throat> I take that back. Maybe they didn't know, no, but they knew the risks involved. And sure. a lot of people know the risks today. And unfortunately, that stuff is so powerful. Um, yeah. Man, you, you kind of throw a lot of that uh, uh, logical, critical thinking out the window. Um, let's uh, let's shift gears, man, and talk a little bit about Small Town Strong, man. And I just want to give a shout out yeah. to Chase, man, for hooking this up and uh, yeah. doing the great work that he's doing. Uh, you, you shared a little bit uh, w- uh, with me about, about Chase. Sounds like an awesome dude. Um, tell us a little bit about the documentary and uh, what's, what's the background on that? So, so basically I, you know, fast forward, uh, I was, I was hopelessly addicted to opiates fast forward. I, I go to treatment. I 
I get clean, I stay clean, right? Um, and then I go to, and then I go back to school. I start getting a bunch of student loan debt, right? And then from there, with the student loan debt, I start getting the licenses and things, right? So I get out of school, I get involved with, you know, being a being a, a true professional in the field and that kind of thing. And so I get an opportunity um, in 2018 to come on with a treatment agency um, to be the health and wellness coordinator. And so I always joke, Shane, this is my first job in management, right? Because I had a master's degree at this point. I was, I was dual licensed. So it's my first job in management. And I got hired on to be the manager of a program that had, I was the only staff member and we served zero clients at that point in time. So I always joke, my first shot in management was a, of a fucking idea of a, of an imagination, <laughs> right? It's like I was in charge yeah. of nothing, but I was in charge, right? So we're yeah. going to figure it out. So the dream of the health and wellness centers, you know, we wanted to bring people um, out of, you know, sort of the traditional treatment protocols of talk therapy and, and CBT and 12-step facilitation and that kind of thing. We wanted to give people the opportunity to do that and start to have some experiential kind of time within their day where they were doing physical intervention stuff, right? So the first few months I did that, I was looking at how how do we make this happen? How's it fit in the schedule? And who are the players in the game going to be, right? So it became pretty clear based on leadership at the time at the agency I was at and just the direction we wanted to go that we, we were going to utilize, you know, um, uh, CrossFit as a, as a main intervention, right, the, of, of what we we're going to do. And we we're going to use that for a couple reasons. Number one, infinitely scalable, right? We can, you know, we, we can make it fit everybody. Um, and then also, too, it happens in a group setting. So we'd be able to meet, we'd be able to reach more people. Right. And, you know, for all the for all the sober and uh, clean folks out there, there's lots of other shit we do that happens in groups, too. Right. Whether it be in the rooms or whether it be in treatment or whatever it is. Right. So like CrossFit kind of fit that bill for us. So we got partnered up uh, with a local uh, CrossFit affiliate, uh, PSKC CrossFit, um, certainly the oldest affiliate in our area. Um, and their their gym owner, Dale King, um, he's worked for CrossFit headquarters. Um, got a couple different other business endeavors that happen later on down the line, but really it's like this whole story is we start utilizing high intensity exercise as an intervention with the client population. Mm. And so it starts off and I, I was, I was actually doing some clinical supervision today and I was telling some folks, I was like, man, if you want to be good at something, you got to be willing to be bad at it first. Right. And when we started, Shane, we weren't real good at the program. It was a good idea, but we weren't real good at executing it, man. But over time, you know, we got we got leadership involved. Um, we got the client population more involved. We started to get more buy in from, you know, other staff members and local community. And then from there, man, you know, we, we grew from having, you know, uh, a couple classes a week to I think PSKC's facilitating. um let's see, uh, 20 classes a week at the counseling center and then um, three classes a week at Star Community Justice Center, which is individuals who are incarcerated. Mm, wow. So, so and, that's, and that's happened across two different counseling center facilities and Star. So there's, you know, now we've gone from like, hey, we're not very good at this to like, hey, we're really starting to figure this out, yeah. right? And so what Small Town Strong does, dude, is it really documents that story from – you know, here's what our aim is. 
And it takes this broad idea of introducing exercise as a, as a viable pathway to recovery. And it addresses it from the personal story side. It addresses it from the, the clinical, you know, intervention side of things. It addresses it from the medical brain chemistry side of things. And then the icing on the cake really, man, is the, is the community of, you know, Southern Ohio and the way that, you know, we've, we've been able to take some of our, you know, uh, some of our assets within that region and really leverage them into opportunities for people to get better. Oh, I love it, man. I, yeah, that's just, uh, I love how you hit on it, how, how it covers all aspects of it too. And then you mentioned the community part, you know, um, my wife and I both were part, were part of, uh, um, uh, CrossFit Vacaville North out here for a, quite a few years, a few years back. And, um, man, that community aspect was so, I mean, that, now, obviously we like going and, and staying fit and doing classes and, and, but really it was about the community. Like sure. our kids knew each other. Like, you know, we brought our kids they had a little, a little daycare center there where the kids can hang out and play and stuff. And my son started doing CrossFit eventually too, you know, just working in and that part was so, was so huge. And I can only mm -hmm. imagine in a recovery setting, um, the ability to push each other and to support each other and to encourage yep. each other and to, to fail with each other too. I mean, you, you bring up a great point about, I, I've, I heard it through, a, I, I don't know if it was Jocko uh, or someone about embracing the suck, right? I'm sure you've heard yep. that before. Like yep. you got to suck at stuff if you're going to try yep. new things. And what happens, especially with dudes is we get we get married, we have kids, we get careers. And then all of a sudden we, we lose ourselves and we go, man, I don't do shit. I just, I, I work, I pay bills. I come home, I drink beer, I, whatever else. And I don't try anything new because I don't want to suck at anything and look like an asshole. So I just don't do anything at all, you know? And man, you gotta, you're, you're going to be the new person. You're going to be the new guy, whether it's quitting drinking, getting sober, you know, in whatever it is you do, whether it's doing CrossFit, whether it's whatever sports mountain biking i bought a mountain bike at one time everyone made fun of me it was great but i still rode it around a little bit I had the helmet and shit you know yeah. <laughs> it was fun but it was something new you know i didn't care i was yeah. going after it so man I, I i love it dude i love it what's up what's been well go ahead go ahead the other the other overlap on the in the community part right and just yeah. like the camaraderie and all that stuff that exists too is there's actually a lot of overlap from the the clinical perspective in in regards to what we're also introducing in in class right because you mentioned all those things i'm gonna have a family i'm gonna have a job mm. i'm gonna have kids i'm gonna have responsibilities i'm gonna pay bills all these things right dude that shit is stressful as fuck <laughs> it is Absolutely. so stressful right yeah like being an adult is so stressful especially especially in the modern world because of what is demanded out of us and our time and our yeah. expectations not only of society but ourselves as well it's like that's super stressful right so one of the things that we've worked in and you see some of this in the documentary is what we're introducing to clients is artificial stress mm. i'm gonna stick i'm gonna put you in a safe place I'm going to put you in a safe place under supervision and I'm going to stress you the fuck out yeah. physiologically, right? Yep. I'm going to put you in a physiological panic, right? Your heart rate's going to be spiked. Your muscles are going to hurt. You're going to be out of breath, right? But it's like the what we're training people to do is to take that stress, actively learn coping skills, mm -hmm. right? Hey, Dale's Dale's really good at this. Guys, today I want you to pay attention to your thoughts. You're going to have a narrative going on. Quit, don't quit, right? I want you to pay attention to when that narrative starts, right? 
that we'll talk through those things, right? We'll talk through that after, you know, say we got a five round workout. Okay. Hey, when quit, don't quit. When was that voice the loudest, right? Everybody know round four is the worst one of a five round workout, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, we have those conversations. We also teach people, you know, we see that like panic breathing type things. It's like, Hey man, let's, Hey, let's slow down. Let's take a break. Let's take some deep breaths, right? We're like teaching these skills in live active time. Cause here's the thing about the traditional therapies. I can teach you how to do things, right? I can explain the philosophy to you. I can tell you about CBT and how we're going to inventory thoughts and identify feelings and objectively review situations and look at our attitude and belief system and things that goes along with that. But where, and that's great, right? But imagine if I would be able, I can teach you coping skills, deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, you know, mindfulness, all this kind of stuff. But imagine if I could then take you into a room, hook you up with all your friends, put you under stress and say, hey, use that shit now. It's like an active training ground, bro. Absolutely. It's like we're we are training, we are training people to actively use those skills that they're gonna absolutely use. And we're not saying, hey, we're gonna sit in here and practice in the air conditioning in the dark room, in the group room where everybody's nice and relaxed. It's like, no, you're you, this is gonna be hard. Yeah. And you're gonna do it and finish it. And then and then like, you know, that reward's coming. It's the high fives, it's the positive, you know, chemicals in the brain, it's the camaraderie, it's the discussion afterwards, it's all that kind of stuff, man. So how, how have the results been? What, what have you, I mean, what can you, is there a quick story you could share with, um, uh, yeah, man. So there's, there's honestly so many stories of, of like individuals, right? Like, so Dale, Dale operates a couple different businesses outside of the gym. Um, I believe he's got two or three guys that have come through the program that are full-time coaches in his gym, CrossFit level one certified, He's got the uh, the Doc Spartan group that does like all natural like self care products. The 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 two individuals that like are the full time employees that run that you know production and shipping all that day to day are both people in long term recovery. Um, Spartan Solutions is a group that works directly with Rogue Fitness, like boxing kettlebells and shipping them all oh, over wow. the world. Again, a team of people that are in recovery. And then the crazy part that you saw was like, and you know, same, bro. So like when I first got clean, I got into competitive powerlifting. I've done about like 10 meets under my belt. And then I've kind of always dabbled in CrossFit, mainly because it pissed off my powerlifting friends because they didn't understand <laughs> why I would want to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's one of the one of the things yeah. I really like about it is just that yeah. it, it bothered them, you know. Yeah. Um, and I hope I hope some of the homies hear this, they'll laugh that I shared that. But um it's like there's always this anecdotal evidence, right, of the of those kind of stories about like, you know, hey, exercise has helped me, right? Yeah. But it's like now what I've seen is like all these people who utilize this as a pathway to recovery that it's just like, you know, it's another lane of the highway that they've got to use that, that helps keep them straight, right? Mm-hmm. And, dude, so then you've seen the number of classes grow, the number of people participating in the classes grow, the number of locations that we're serving grows. And then this weird thing happens too. People start to incorporate things outside of CrossFit that are, you know, we've got, there's like a, a, like I said, the group of guys that powerless, the group of chicks that do yoga, the, the group of runners, right? The group of guys that are like, yeah, I don't really like to do CrossFit, but I like more like, you know, just like boot camp, body weight type stuff. There's like these sort of like impromptu sessions that are happening. Mm. 
So it's like you just see that community grow so much, man. That's been the coolest part is to watch people actually buy in to what doing physically hard shit will give you the capability to do in your day-to-day life. Yeah, definitely uh, strengthening mind, body, spirit, all those things come with that. And like, uh, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, you're, it's hard. Like it's, it's hard, but you're going to stretch, you're going to stress yourself out and you'll learn how to deal with those things, not just in the gym setting that transfers over to your everyday life. So you're practicing, man, reps, reps, reps with everything. I, I love it, man. It's uh, where, where can, um, where can the documentary is out right now, right? Or is it about to be so the released? trailer is out? Okay. The, the documentary trailer is out on YouTube. Okay. Uh, you can just search small town strong on YouTube. It'll pop up. Um, the documentary will be released on October 3rd. Nice. Um, there's going to be a, there's going to be a premiere locally a couple days before the, the national premiere, but it's on pre-order right now. Okay. We can make sure we get you the pre-order link. Um, but it, it is going to be available to watch anywhere you stream videos, okay. Amazon, Apple, all that stuff. So like, if you can rent a movie on the platform, you should be able to, you should be able to rent small town strong and watch it. Okay. Awesome. And I, I just, I just double checked. We already have all the links in there, at least for the, um, for the, um, uh, the trailer and then info cool. on how to, how to get it after that too. So we'll be sure to, to make sure those are in there for everyone listening. Um, we just got a, a couple of minutes before we wrap up. What, what's the Portsmouth, Portsmouth me- method? So Portsmouth method is basically just the philosophy of, of how we do what we do, why we, why we do the things that we do. Right. Mm-hmm. So Portsmouth method is a, is a training protocol, um, that's set by, uh, Dale King that owns the CrossFit affiliate okay. and myself. So basically Portsmouth method is our, is our training philosophy of why we're, or why and how we're intervening with the population the way that we do. If folks are interested, um, we host Portsmouth method training seminars where you, we can invite you in, you can observe a class. We, and then we have a manual where we can go through and essentially I speak to the clinic side of things. This is what substance use disorders are. This is what you need to consider when you're working with that kind of population. Dale speaks to the gym ownership, programming, equipment needs kind of thing. Um, And I mean, we've had, you know, we've had folks from all over the state of Ohio that have come. There's a couple different programs in the state of folks that have, you know, CrossFit gyms that have uh, hooked up with behavioral health care centers that have programs running. Um, and then, uh, most recently, man, uh, we've, we've had some folks from Giles County, Virginia that are affiliated with the, uh, with the, with the courts and, uh, legal system down there that are wanting to get rolling. And also, um, some visitors from the great North Canada that have have come down and visit. So even, you know, uh, North of the wall, as they say, right. (laughs) They're, uh, yeah, man, they're, they're starting to get some. So, uh, you know, it's like, uh, if, if folks are interested, man, yeah, uh, contact us we'd love to have some folks you know for the seminar to, to show off what we're doing because that's our whole goal with this thing shane is like we want to scale this up we want to yeah. teach other we want to teach other people our philosophy and then give them the freedom to make the tweaks and changes to how that fits in in their own personal communities yeah that's awesome man i have the link in here too for the portsmouth method um uh, is it it's uh well the link's in there i was just looking at it but um, man, if I ever get a chance to come to Ohio, man, I, w- I want to come to the gym, man, and hang out and get yeah. a workout in, man. That sounds, it's just sounds amazing, dude, what you guys are doing yeah. out there. So thanks so much for sharing, uh, on the podcast today. Uh, you, you know, obviously your story and a little bit about 
you know, your, your background and then obviously the work that you guys are doing too, man. It's been great. Awesome, dude. Thanks for having me. I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. Any, uh, so, uh, any, if someone out there listening, they're struggling right now. They don't know where, where to go. Maybe they want some help. They're just not sure, man. Any advice or any tips or anything you could tell them? So look, I, uh, I was probably, let's see, I maybe had, I was approaching a year clean, maybe. Actually, I was probably a little over a year clean. I'd I'd uh, I'd gotten back into school. I was I just completed my uh, my first semester back, and um, I had uh, I'd, I'd made the dean's list. I'd gotten really good grades for the first time in a long time, and I was affiliated with this like little local uh, church kind of recovery thing that I was. I'd started going to it when I was in treatment, and I would still you know pop in week to week or whatever and see some of the people. I remember talking to my my guy uh, my guy Bo um, uh, that was that was a volunteer at the point in time, and I was like telling him about all this stuff, and it's like, man, you know, it's like uh, he's like he's like, man, Max, you know, that's great, that's great, great news, great stuff. I, you know, I'm I'm living with my mom, and I'm I'm getting to see my kid, and I'm back in school, and just all those wins I was getting, right? Yeah. And he said, man, it's amazing what a man can do if he just shows up and doesn't smoke any crack. <laughs> so I got the shirt on, bro. I got the just don't smoke crack shirt on. Oh, uh, that's funny. I was wondering what that said because I can only see just don't from the top. Yeah, man. well, I wore that that's too, Shane. Just don't, bro. So, you know, I always, I always tell people, classy. I always tell people that I joke, the best advice I ever got was just don't smoke crack. Um, and people, you know, they want to, oh, I, I do this. I tell them it's an analogy, bro. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, Just plug in whatever you need to, man. But yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, that's the best advice I ever got was it's amazing what a man can do if he just shows up yeah. and doesn't smoke any crack. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh man, Max, dude, thank, thanks again for coming on today, man. And once again, we'll be sure to put all the show notes for everyone or the links in the show notes for everyone listening, bro. Really appreciate you, man. And uh, please um, send some sober guy love and support to the gym and all your whole staff and all your folks out there that are doing this um, uh, great work for the community, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening today. I hope something spoke to you. Share the podcast with a friend. Connect us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Love you guys. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean. Yeah.